Welcome to the PDL's official podcast, hosted by me, the commissioner and the owner of the Delco Dreamers, Tommy Yu, and I'm Darren from the Carolina Thunder. It's time to sit back, relax, and get ready for us to get off topic as possible. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of this of very official PDL podcast, and this is a special bonus episode, and of course, that means we have our bonus co-host from the Austrian Oaks, Greggy. how you doing, man? Yeah, good. Uh, I don't know when this is going to go out, but yeah, it's Friday after work, so. Right. No, I'm probably going to drop happy. it today, yeah, yeah, just kind of chilling, just not as many meetings, so I thought we'd get an extra one on there, Darren's on his way to the mountains, so maybe he'll listen to this one, so, uh, Excited to be able to break that down. So today we were actually talking about a lot of different things, where we should go with this bonus podcast. So if you guys actually have any uh, other topic ideas that you guys would like to hear us talk about, definitely throw it our way. But for this episode, we're about like, what? Week five has already started because we just had Thursday night football yesterday and um, obviously saw Justin Fields light it up with DJ Moore. So that means week five. And if I remember correctly, there is only 14 weeks of the regular season so we're about 33 percent in so i thought it'd be a fun way to kind of have a little retrospective where we dive in talk about everyone's team and who their breakout and busts have been up to this point obviously this narrative can definitely change as the season continues to progress so it's almost just like uh the state of the union like how is these franchises doing right at this moment right greggy yeah should be should be straightforward it won't be we'll ramble this will be an hour and a half but that's well, the way she goes. Don't tempt it. We'll see. We'll see. So just to kick things off, Greg, we're going to alternate teams, and we're just going to do it in the order of the current standings right now. So uh, since we're going to alternate and I find myself at number one, Greg, you're going to kick it off, and we'll kind of start alternating from there. Yep. Yeah, so the breakout for Tommy's team, I have is Kyron Williams because most of the other, other players are superstars, so just sort of expect them to be good. Uh, Kyron, you got off waivers last year for like 20-something fab. I don't remember what it was. I think um, he was one of the guys that was definitely prioritizing right after the draft because he had a terrible, terrible combine. Yeah, you $21 of fab. And I remember because I put a bid for like 18 or something and you outbid me. because I got almost all the players I put a bid for last year except mm. Kyron Williams. So now that comes back to bite me. Ooh, thank goodness. Um, but I don't know. He looks good-ish. I, I think I it's know. he's getting volume. I, I was gonna say I'm gonna be more honest about it. I definitely do like Kyron Williams because he's kind of like that undersized guy, and because I'm an undersized person as well, I like to root them on. But it's kind of definitely not too pretty when you look at his efficiency metrics. So it's definitely volume based. But it looks like he does have a lot of Sean McVay's trust. So I feel like I'm kind of leaning into that pretty hard because as we can see, if you do have the trust in the system. Um, they're going to be leaned on pretty heavily because right now it looks like the Rams offense literally just funnels through like two people. <laughs> one of them being Kyron Williams, uh, another one being a breakout that we're going to be talking about uh, shortly. But I, I completely agree with you. My expectation, I don't think this is going to last. And I think it'd be very foolish for anyone that has Kyron Williams to think that way. But I'm just kind of riding the wave right now. Very lucky. I mean, you didn't pay anything for him really. And then lands up being you're starting them in, in your flex. So I don't know. You got to be pretty happy with that. And I don't think like there's no one on the roster that's going to push him out of his role, really. Like maybe if Cup comes back, they just run less. But mm-hmm. in general, I think he's pretty safe for the rest of the year, at least. Um, I, I like, 
I don't know. I don't think they're going to like trade capital to, to get someone um, to bring in <laughs> yeah. and like who's coming off the street, like Fournette. I don't think so. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is definitely one that I got super lucky with. I, I'd be lying if I said if, when I like right after the rookie draft ended last year, being your very first, and I think we we're just talking about this before we started to record. That was your very first draft, obviously. And I didn't know how aggressive people were going to get. And as you, before you got here, people were not aggressive at all. As you can see, people were throwing like $2 bids, no bids, things. And, and that's still kind of true to this day. But the new influx of owners, they've definitely gotten more aggressive. Remember when Tannis was dropping like bombs on a lot of people. And so I think that's really good for the league. But after this one, um, I let's just say I'm very lucky that you're ha- you had your eye on so many different people because I think I only had my eye on like three or four guys and uh, similar to you I I missed out on a lot but the only two guys I was able to scoop up um was I think Kyron Williams and Jake Ferguson luckily that has worked out so far but I once again I don't think they're sustainable. Yeah, my, I guess we'll see. But I mean, I don't think you really care about the long term right now. So you're no, not at all. On the, on <laughs> just season, riding so. that wave, like I said. Yeah, that's why I'm not like I'm sure like a lot of people might have just immediately put him on the trade block or something. But for me, I'm like, hey, no, I'm I'm very happy with with what he's doing because I need a win right now. Yep. So we'll move on to the bust. Uh, I guess we'll argue about this one because you saw me put it in the dock and then you were annoyed. Uh, but for me, it's Jalen Hurts. I know he's QB seven on the year. I mean, first off, Tommy's team is really good. So he's first overall. Like, there's not a lot of people to pick from, like maybe DeAndre Hopkins or something like that. You're going to say Josh Jacobs, but my expectations for Josh Jacobs were kind of muted to start the year because he didn't have any training camp. And we've seen this before with running backs that miss all of training camp and they come in and they look slow and they look fat and they just don't put up numbers. Jalen Hurts to me, I don't know. You're the, you're the Eagles fan. Um, I think you're fine with the fantasy production, but on the field, he just doesn't look the same. That whole offense just, they put it together a little bit last week, but I don't know. They're not clicking like they were last year. So hopefully over the course of the year, they figure it out, but he's last year was a complete difference maker through position this year. He's just like a quarterback one. He's not winning games for you. Like he was last year. No, I think that's really valid. And like last year, up until this point, I believe, like I said, we're entering week five. Jalen Hurts already had two 300 plus games, uh, yard games, sorry. And he just had his first this past week against Washington and it required overtime to do so. Well, I am pretty sure he's probably over a 300 mark before that overtime. But, you know, what I'm trying to say here, it's definitely been a slower start. So I, I was definitely annoyed just only because I thought Josh Jacobs was such an easy pick because I was definitely starting him. I understand the expectation of him holding out that entire time, being a running back and, you know, not really being a football. Sh- I, I completely get that. Um, but I think my only uh, rebuttal was just, hey, I mean, Jalen Hurts is QB seven. So if that is my bust up to this point, I mean, that's a pretty nice narrative. Whereas I do think uh, me trading for Josh Jacobs and I think uh, this pa- before this past game where he dropped over 20 points, he was just dropping like eight to nine points. And that was uh, pretty, pretty rough for me because at no point was I like going to try to get too cute and be like, all right, let me just bench Josh Jacobs right now. And put so like, Okay, you might say, oh, Tommy, your roster's great. My roster's not that good. Not good enough to bench uh, Josh Jacobs, at least in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that, that that's literally my only rebuttal, but I completely get it. I feel like people's expectations, my own, especially when I went out and got Jalen Hurts, was, oh my gosh, he's easily going to put be like a top three quarterback, at least on a points per game basis. And to kind of see him uh, kind of... Uh, 
come out the gate uh, looking a little bit muted, rusted. Say what you will. Maybe it was uh, Steichen being a bigger part, but we said the same thing when Frank Reich left and things like that. Uh, and it might just take a little bit of time for the Eagles to find that identity. But regardless, uh, I feel like I'm taking way too much airtime, uh, especially when it was you. Uh, covering someone, but it was someone on my team, so that makes sense. So let me just move on to Southern Oregon Smoke, and I would love to get some of your take here, Greggy, but I feel like these are both very straightforward. First, let's talk about that breakout, and we were saying that the Rams kind of funnel their offense between two players right now, one of which being uh, my own Kyron Williams, very, very lucky, and then the second one being probably the steal of the draft and one of the biggest breakout rookies and say what you will, maybe his role will change when um, Cooper cup pump comes back. But what I'm saying right now is rookie phenom Puka Nakua. He's been absolutely phenomenal. So much to the point where he finds himself obviously in a starting roster for the Southern Oregon smoke and Mike finds himself undefeated so far. And I feel like Puka Nakua has to be a big reason for that. Well, that and the cheat code that is Josh Allen being uh, absolutely redonkulous again, but, Right now, we're talking about breakouts because we do kind of expect that with Josh Allen. And a lot of people are saying, um, darn, I really wish I got Puka Nakua after um, Mike drafted him. Everyone's like, oh, we should have But hey, it doesn't matter. Mike put his money on his mouth and he took him, I feel like, very early in the fourth round, maybe one of the first or second picks in the fourth round. And so he's definitely reaping all the rewards right now. And I know he's kind of been that fantasy phenom so far. But Greg, I know you have a really good pulse and a good eye on talent and things like that. I would love to know your takeaway on Puka Nakua. I think he's pretty good. I liked the hype for him more like two weeks ago. Now the hype for him is a little bit, I think, rich for me. I'm I'm looking to keep Drake Cup right now. He's wide receiver 12. He's ahead of Brandon Ayuk, DK Metcalf, T. Higgins. Uh, he's up there, I think. Yeah, a little the bit higher. Maybe than... swinging a little bit too far, but that doesn't mean yeah. you don't think he's good. You're thinking, oh, oh, wow, this is a little bit too much hype now. No, I mean, I think he's Robert Woods, pretty much in that offense. Um, so I think it's sustainable to have him be startable. I don't think he's gonna like he's on pace to break single season receiving records, not just for rookies, but like for <laughs> everyone. Just the so NFL I, I in general. Yeah, I don't think it's a hot take to say that that's not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's going to stay relevant when Cup comes back. But the, the only thing for me long-term would just be, is Stafford going to be there? Because Stafford looks much to my chagrin. Just, I, like, shit on him all offseason, but he looks really good. He does. Uh, his arm looks, arm looks good. But I'm always waiting for, like, the arm to just fall off his back or something. Like, you know his injuries when he's 36, 37. So um, the fall off could come quick, but Stafford has a weird tendency of kind of sustaining like historic seasons, right? The Calvin Johnson seasons, the Cooper cup, triple crown season. Now the Puka Nakua breakout season. So it's uh, I don't know, maybe Stafford has a little magic touch where he really starts to favor in on some people, but I feel like Mike has to be absolutely thrilled, especially with what he got with Puka Nakua. Cause at the very least, if he does want to cash out on the hype right now, cause you just said on keep trade cut, he's wide receiver 12. That's pretty high. If Mike were to do so, he would get a huge, huge payout but i feel like mike is going to be pretty happy kind of sitting where he is or maybe we will see a movement i'd be actually kind of surprised but it's not all sunshine over for southern oregon because i kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the bust and i feel like the elephant in the room and no better person to discuss this with than you because you are our resident 
uh, Pittsburgh fan slash expert, uh, Najee Harris. I feel like everyone kind of knew what the story with Najee Harris was going to be heading into this season. They're saying, man, Jalen Warren is so talented. How are you going to keep him off the field because he's so explosive? But then the argument for the people in Najee's camp are saying, well, no, it's so much easier to be more efficient with Jalen Warren because he comes in on easy, easier downs to be able to pick up yards, whereas Najee's in it where the boxes are stacked, blah, 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 regardless of what we say. Right now in the PDL, when you listeners are listening to this episode, he is the RB31 in our scoring. Uh, I think the biggest thing for Najee was never that he was this explosive, efficient guy. It was always the volume, the volume, the volume. And even last year, when he came back from his injury, I feel like his pace was pretty darn good. So to kind of see him a little bit stumble, but I feel like that's unfair to say. I don't even think it's Najee. I feel like a lot of the metrics that I've seen up to this point actually are in favor of Najee. But it's the complete inept offense of Pittsburgh. And I feel like that's not rude to say, if anything, you're probably saying, Tommy, don't hold back. Uh, Matt Canada is a football terrorist. But yeah, bust Najee Harris. Your thoughts, Greg? I think he's still a good running back. I think it's really hard to look good when you have to break two tackles against the line of scrimmage every single play. Yep. Um, just, I. For anyone who's bored, go watch the highlights from the Houston game. And he, I think it was in the third quarter, I want to say, they were running the ball like really well. And he was just breaking so many tackles to just get even like four yards. And it, like it, it just all fell apart at the end. But to do anything, he looked so dynamic. Mm-hmm. And the, the outcome was just, what, he had 71 yards? Like it wasn't that good. Um, but he's like still he works more. 10 times harder than every other run. Like, look at the like the Andre Swift and the Eagles line, and look at Najee. They're not even playing the same sport, yeah. And also, what I was saying is, I don't have the numbers right now, but there was a tweet showing like of the time that Kenny Pickett goes under center, they run the football like 70% of the time or something. Oh so, if God. he's under center, you know it's a run, and if the he's linebackers trap run, are all just getting a little bit closer, they're like, Oh, this is going to be so easy, yeah. So I don't know, but I also don't think there's a lot of hope. Like, even if they replace Matt Canada, they're just going to promote someone else from within the organization. Mm-hmm, they probably mm-hmm. drink in the same Kool-Aid. So I don't know. That's the Steeler way of like, for better or for worse, they stick with their guys. They promote internally. And we never, as long as I can remember, we don't have like dynamic offensive minds. Like Bruce Arians was maybe the the one guy who you could consider like successful after he left Pittsburgh offensively, but he was, he got run out of town because he was, he has like a really, you know, vertical offense and he was getting Ben killed behind like our terrible offensive line, just standing there and taking sacks. So there's no one in house that's coming, you know, coming from the McVay tree or something like we run 1990s offenses. Uh, there's no motion. There, there's no candidate to really replace him this year. So I don't know. For the rest of the year, I'm pretty much think it's going to be like what he is now. But he's he's still more efficient than Warren. I really don't understand the Jalen Warren stuff. On he's averaging on on his rushes one entire yard per carry more, which is like 25 percent more, which is massive amount. Jalen Warren just gets dump offs and stuff like that on third downs mm-hmm. and when they're playing from behind. That was valuable for Najee in the past, but the Jalen Warren is not going to replace Najee Harris in the offense. That's what I said before. Like. They, they're both going to complement each other, but Najee's going to get all the running work. 
and maybe some of the passing game. Jalen Warren is not really a good runner, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're definitely in agreement, but at least it's unfortunate because Najee Harris's effort on the field is not really translating to fantasy points and maybe even real life stats just because, like you said, he's working like 10 times harder than most other running backs because he has like 10 faces and helmets as soon as he touches the ball. So that's kind of what it looks like for Mike, but he still finds himself undefeated. So I feel like he's definitely still on a great groove. So I'm really excited to kind of see what he does because he is a complete wild card. He uh, made a couple of trades. I know we didn't cover, but we will cover that in the main episode uh, next week. Um, But yeah, I feel like uh, he definitely has to still be feeling pretty darn good because with his matchup this week, he's definitely going to continue that undefeated streak. So uh, let's continue and look at the third and final undefeated team, Steve and the Denver Brews. Greg, take it away. Yeah, so the breakout is James Cook. I think he's the obvious one from his team. Um, there were, you know, He was one of those offseason guys where he got hype as a breakout and he actually succeeded. So it's generally rare. Um but he looks good for like, you know, people are concerned about the size. He's a smaller running back, but he's handling a decent workload. He's right in that kind of Alvin Kamara range of like, he's not getting 20 plus carries a game. So that's good because I don't think he's big enough to withstand that. Um, sustain that. I don't know. Withstand. That's not a word. Um, but I, he's been performing really well. That offense, especially last week, was just on fire they absolutely carved up the dolphins uh he's putting up like over 10 points a game he just looks really solid he's like a back-end rb1 now i think he might be like running back 11 or something like that uh so for for um steve who got him for rashad penny a fourth and a third last year <laughs> robbery a certain person whose name starts with J. um yeah, it's it's pretty much a robbery. So, yeah, he's got to be happy. That's, I think, his running back one. Well, you know, Barkley, Jones, injured, Chubb, injured. So James Cook stepping up is really one of the main reasons that he's still undefeated at this point. I completely agree. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, typically when you hear all this type of hype in the offseason, I think uh, off air, we were talking about, oh my God, remember the hype on this guy? Remember the hype on this guy? We're not going to bring it up. Maybe we will when we talk about other busts. Uh, but we're like, oh my gosh, yeah, that offseason hype was crazy. Of course he didn't deliver. But James Cook is one of the rare guys where I feel like he is doing exactly what we were talking about. And it's crazy because in a lot of these games, I feel like what the past three games, the Bills have blown out their opponents by like 20 points so it's like they don't really even need him so just imagine when it comes to like shootout time uh whether you have to start airing it out obviously james cook's going to be a big benefactor because he is going to get those targets i'm looking at his the amount of targets he had in the past couple of games um the first four weeks uh he has 14 targets that's not that bad but i mean the past two weeks he only has four uh, and once again, it, I don't think it's a coincidence because these are games that they're absolutely blowing the opponents out of the water, whereas he had 10 targets the first two weeks, uh, which I feel like uh, I think that's more in line of what he would typically get. So I feel like he has a much higher ceiling than what he has already shown, especially when uh, the Bills are going to actually have to, you know keep up instead of just completely blowing out. Uh, but yeah, I think him as a breakout, Steve has to be really happy and especially with the amount of injuries that he has sustained a huge, huge reason that he's undefeated. Like you mentioned. Yeah. And they, the bills lost Tredavious white, I think last week, with the Achilles. Um, so the defense should be a little bit softer and give up mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. points. Great so point. that could, could get him more involved in the passing game. Uh, the, 
bust for me is Darren Waller, who I drafted in my redraft league and has Ooh. not been it's not going very well for me. Actually, I drafted Sam Laporta, so now Sam Laporta is oh, nice. my tight end Good one. Job, so that that <clears throat> balanced out. But Darren Waller looked like one of the few guys in the NFL who could be a tight end that was the wide receiver one of the team. Mm-hmm. That has not panned out. Or I don't know. Maybe he is the lead receiver. And maybe it just say, doesn't I even matter on that team. <laughs> yeah. But that whole offense has not been even competent. They make the Steelers look like just, you know, the greatest show on turf or something at this point. <laughs> so I, I thought the Steelers offensive line is bad, but the Giants are just between the bad offensive line and uh, Daniel Jones not making any correct decisions. It's just been an absolute nightmare season. Um, I don't know if there's much hope. I mean, the season's still really early as far as the NFL's calendar goes. So he could turn it around and there's no know. real they, competition They're about there. to play Miami. They're about to play Buffalo. Those are the next two games. They still have the Jets defense ahead of them, obviously. They obviously have to play Dallas still, us. Uh, by us, I mean the Eagles twice. I, I don't know. They have a rough, rough schedule, I feel. Like. And the New Orleans defense is pretty – like, it, it's not looking that great for them. No, but I don't know. Are there injuries on the offensive line? Is that why it's – I'm not like a Giants fan, so I don't know. I mean, to what me – exactly that happened? I feel like it's kind of going exactly how I thought because they didn't, I mean, their offensive line, I feel like Andrew Thomas was like the only real solid guy. And outside of that, it's kind of suspect, but unfortunately they just haven't been taking that step up to match what Daniel Jones, what he just got this off season. Obviously everyone knows that extension, which caused some bad, not bad blood, but Saquon, obviously one of the bad two. So it definitely didn't look that great, but I feel like now it's kind of come back to, I don't know, maybe that, Giants magic is gone. Uh, I feel like everyone would still agree that Brian Dayball is one of the top coaches in the league, but what they have shown offensively, I completely agree with you. It feels like a huge, huge step back. Um, And what the expectations were, especially for Darren Waller and in our current tight end premium format, you would definitely expect a lot better than currently the tight end 14. Um, So I feel like that's definitely been hurting him a little bit, but hey, not enough because Steve still finds himself undefeated. So he's definitely still has to be feeling uh, pretty good, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that if that's his worst complaint at this point, I mean, Darren Waller's still healthy. I need to find some wood to knock on, but um, <laughs> he's still healthy. So, I mean, that's an improvement for Darren Waller over past seasons. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think he has some depth. Like he um, traded for a schoonmacher. He's Dawson Knox. Well, Darnell Washington is probably not going to play, but. Knox has had somewhat of a role. I think he could plug him in in mm-hmm. an absolute pinch. And tight end's a position where you can get some disgusting guys off the waivers and then land up playing them. Like I have Logan Thomas, who just scored 20 points. Um, Kylan Granson, I picked up off waivers. Again, these guys aren't sexy and I'm not advertising for them, but like they're get the job not done. that far off. Yeah, they're not far that far off points per game wise than some of the like mid tier guys like. Uh, we will mention later. <laughs> no, I think that's a really, really great point. So if that's honestly the biggest nitpick that we have with Steve's team, I feel like once again, that has to be a good sign for him. Obviously, we could have picked some bus of like injuries like Nick Chubb, but I feel like that's not really fair. So that's why we didn't go that route. So a lot of the players that we mentioned, usually injury is kind of taken out of that context for the most part. So with that being said, let's move on to number four. Mr. Max, Murphy Street Empire. Mr. Lives in Tommy's Head rent-free. Breakout easily for me. 
actually, I shouldn't even say easily because Max definitely has had his fair share of an unlucky streak from the offseason. It kind of followed him a little bit into the season. Good for him, though, because JT is coming back. But for me, what I have as breakout might be a little bit of a head scratcher, but it's got to be Justin Fields um, to me, at least, because the first three weeks, I don't think there was a bigger dumpster fire than the Chicago Bears. I mean, anything that could go wrong did go wrong, but now they're almost playing with like an FU attitude and playing like they have something to prove and which they absolutely do. They were winless. Justin Fields literally playing for his job because everyone's already talking about Caleb Williams showing up to the Windy City. And so what does he do? Well, against Denver's defense and uh, I guess one of their historically bad defense and hey, Champagne's attached to that. So no surprise because he knows a thing or two about fielding horrible defenses. Maybe just ask Drew Brees in his tenure with the Saints, but he played Denver and scored about 35 points. That is huge. And then he just followed up in primetime Thursday night football and kind of absolutely blew out Washington, which might not sound that impressive, but I mean, it's Thursday night. It's primetime. It's against the commanders. Uh, new owners are there. They're on TV. They're all watching. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see this dumpster virus. Justin Fields actually going to do it again. And he did do it again. 40 points. Don't look now. I mean, all the games have to be played, but I mean, because of how the PDL is and how I could cherry pick these stats, Justin Fields is currently the number one quarterback in the PDL. It's going to be a breakout because this is kind of um, had a very slow start, but Justin Fields had a very slow start last year. And I have been pretty outspoken saying that I have been a Justin Fields believer since coming out of college. And uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I was completely skewed and thought, okay, Maybe I was wrong here. Maybe I have to eat the L. And guess what? Ironically, I ate the L twice because as soon as I started doubting him, he started to put up points. But I know this might be a little bit controversial. So that's why I want to throw it over to you, Greg. Um, what are your thoughts on me picking Justin Fields as the breakout for Murphy Street Empire? Why do you make me shit on Justin Fields every time I come on this podcast? Like every time Justin Fields comes up, and every time how can you shit shit on someone I that scored 75 points in the past two i can't games? lie like certain other co-hosts you have on this podcast <laughs> oh man the shade is literally sitting in the car being like dude i'm just driving i don't want to do the mountains I'm, and this is what i get i'm not going to dwell on this because i've already, i've already discussed this in the previous podcast i think so i watched the game replay this morning i think maybe in the replay maybe they doctored some stuff because i was watching a different game than you i think that's what i'll say 75 points in the past two weeks i don't see scoring points last year he's scoring points last year it doesn't make him a good quarterback it makes him a good fantasy quarterback though isn't that all max sure needs? sure but it doesn't uh, it, the first three weeks were an absolute disaster that's the team's that still not fair. good like we're talking about break up for dynasty i mean now they have minnesota not- coming up another not that good defense right uh, the Raiders, I mean, the Raiders have a solid D-line with Max Crosby and stuff. Then they have the Chargers, the Saints, the Panthers, Minnesota again, a buy. Like, I don't know. It's looking pretty good. If you say so. I think it's a solid breakout. And so let's just continue just for the sake of the show. The bust. Unfortunately, yes, Max. Uh, this is my opportunity poo-poo on your team a little bit. And honestly... There were a couple candidates to pick from, which is a little bit unfortunate, but I feel like all eyes have to fall on Jamar Chase because I know still in a vacuum and still if we had a redraft right now, 
Jamar Chase would most likely be a top three wide receiver drafted in a startup dynasty if we just hit that reset button. But he is currently the wide receiver 29. I think we would all agree it's kind of not really his fault. It's really just been what Joe Burrow going through, that calf injury, the lingering, what's really going on. Um, He did have a 20-point game in week three, and he just had another double-digit point game where he just barely put up 10 against Tennessee. Um, But I think it's fair to say that Jamar Chase being wide receiver 29 uh, this far into the season, like I said, 33%. It's still young. I know he's going to have those explosive games, obviously. Everyone knows it's going to happen, uh, but it's, you know, kind of have to be a little bit worrisome. Be like, all right, when's this? All right, this isn't a joke. It's not preseason. We got to do this right now. And I know Max would absolutely like that return. So um, I feel like this one's kind of a no brainer, right, Greg? Yeah, but I, I don't know if I share the optimism that it's going to get better. They're like, there's almost no shot. They make the playoffs at this point. Yeah. I so think that's if, kind of out of the realms. If Burroughs calf doesn't get better by, oh, you know, by, by seven weeks. Yeah. I don't know. Like, why wouldn't they, you can't roll your franchise quarterback out there if he is injured uh, and you have nothing to play for. So I don't know. You, I mean, at the minimum, I would assume they would throw him an IR for at least four weeks. Like, okay, we're out of it just get healthy and come back. And then Cincinnati has literally like no backup plan for Burrow, like missing time. No, I have Jake Browning on my team, but I don't even know who the hell he was before (laughs) I picked him up. But I, I mean, if Jake Browning comes in there or they fire, they bring in like what's best case Carson Wentz or something like that. So I don't know if those explosive games would come if, if they, if Joe Burrow just keeps playing unhealthy and then they shut him down. Yeah. I don't know. It just might be another, if you uh, just imagine Chase, that not, locker no room of his own. going from someone like Joe Burrow and like the confident swag he has and just replacing him with like Carson Wentz coming in with like just the chaoticness who, of Carson who Wentz. Replaced then... him, who replaced him when he injured his ACL? We talking about Carson? Yeah. Uh, oh, what? No, uh, when when um, Joe Burrow injured his ACL first year. Oh, 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 oh. Who replaced his him that rookie year? year, right? Yeah. Oh, I completely forget who did replace him. Why does the Bengals? I feel like this is just one of the things where they just don't really put a lot of thought and effort into the backup quarterback. But regardless, you're thinking that this struggle with Jamar Chase is something that's going to be maybe that is going to continue to sustain. And if that is the case, that's going to be a huge blow to the Murphy Street Empire. Yeah, I mean, he has the physical ability to just go off on any way, even with a backup quarterback. But you, I, I don't know. You, Part of the magic was, no... was that chemistry that's built in with Jamar and Burrow, right? Yeah, and if I told you before the season that the, the Bengals were going to be out of the playoff picture by week five, like what you would have assumed <laughs> there was a catastrophic injury to Burrow, I assume, but he's been playing. I, if yeah. I told you Burrow played all four games and they're out of the playoffs at week five, like how how is that possible? So I don't know. They might not do it because um, the coaches might – keep playing burrow because they're scared to lose their jobs so they might just yeah endanger him just so they can keep their jobs and say hey we got seven wins woo uh, but i don't know that whole team has just been an absolute dumpster fire so far it really really has so that has been unfortunate but the pretty much the Bengals kind of face planning that coming out of the season is going to be a common theme with some of the bus players that we pick, but just to continue, let's go on to the Carolina thunder and Darren's team. So Greg, I know you have this one. Oh God, 
Do I have to say it? You have to, and I cannot. Darren is going to be grinning ear to ear. I know you just threw shade his way, but Darren, this is all for you. This is the foreplay that you need for this weekend. So my my QB1, Anthony Richardson, is Darren's breakout candidate. You know, he can lie. He can bring in the doctored photos or whatever the hell he has to support his claim. (laughs) We all know that it's bullshit. He's just, he's just backtracking, bullshit. faking it, right? He's just yeah, going we, oh back my. at the receipts. He's like, no, see, the date it was actually three months ago. I've seen ago. some Photoshops in my day, okay? I, I think I'll be able work. to tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I see some AI hallucination and stuff like that. So I feel like he definitely I, – I think I'm on board now. I mean, I can go in and make it look like Tommy tweeted whatever I want, so that doesn't mean that it's factually correct. That's true. I think uh, he's trying but, to make his own reality, but darn does Anthony Richardson look exciting. Yeah, so I, I he looks even better than I thought he would, and I thought he was going to look pretty good. I thought the first year would be kind of rough, uh, but he would show some flashes. Yeah, he really. I mean, the completion percentage is bad, so he's not doing that. But that doesn't matter because they're legitimately like competing in all these games that he's playing in, and the team looks like happy to have him there. I was going to say, and he's a big reason why they're competing in these games too, right? Like, I understand his completion percentage isn't that high, but take Anthony Richardson out as a quarterback and literally put, well, they just did, like Gardner Minshew and stuff like that. They're not competing in the games at the caliber that they are when AR is in there. Yeah, and he's not turning the ball over as much as you would think for Mm -hmm. a rookie quarterback. He's one interception, one loss fumble so far. Uh, The only thing that really does concern me, though, is he needs to stop getting hit so hard yeah oh yeah he he's got to tone it down like even at florida he didn't have that so i don't know if it's i mean he definitely ran and was like physical but it looks like maybe he's trying to show everyone how tough he is or something like that or maybe it's just the guys in the nfl are so much bigger that i think it's just a young boy syndrome right like you like even dak now is like i I feel like there was a quote at the dallas cowboys where they're talking about the playing surfaces and Micah Parsons was like, yeah, I would play on concrete or like the parking lot if I had to. And yeah, then they yeah. asked Dak about that. And Dak was like, yeah, he, well, he's like, I'm, he's young. He's young. He'll get it. So I feel like Anthony Richardson definitely will get there. But I completely understand what you're trying to say. Sometimes he's just doing a little bit more and really opening himself up just to gain like a fraction of a yard. But then it exponentially increases the amount of hits he's taking. Yeah, he just needs to figure that out before he turns his brain into mush from getting kicked. Turns into like, like Josh Allen where he just doesn't keep learning. <laughs> And he's just like, YOLO, let's just try to hurt a little another guy. Yeah, but did, did Josh Allen even get concussion? Did he have a concussion? I don't, I don't even remember. Yeah, I feel like he that really being a problem. hurt. Yeah. If you get it in your, what is it, second game he got concussed, that's not yeah. good. So yeah. he needs to cool it on that. It but back. other than that, he's been everything that, even better than I thought he would be. Yeah, um, I completely agree. Yeah, so we'll move on to the bust. I don't know if this is controversial, but I just have always been shitting on this player every time I'm on the podcast talking about Darren's team. CD lamb is just. Wow. That is a surprise. I did not see this ahead of time. He, he's so good. Not great. I just don't think he is like a fantastic wide receiver one for a team. I I think think he's like a glorified wide receiver too. That's just it on the Dallas Cowboys and has swag. I think, I don't know. He's fine. Like, what, what's his calling card? Right? Like, he's not Jefferson or Chase. He's not in that tier. And there's nothing no. he can do to get in that tier. He's not physically athletic enough. I feel like he's not as good of a route runner. 
he's not like a contested catch guy. I'm not saying he's not good, but right now he's wide receiver 17. Like your expectations for him are higher than that. Yeah, for a long time, he was dynasty fair. wide receiver three. Is it he, weird that he, I'm surprised that he's wide receiver 17? I thought he was doing having a better season. Once again, I don't have CD Lamb shares anywhere, but just you know, just as a football fan watching Red Zone and stuff, I just assumed CD Lamb was. Doing I haven't better. heard much of him, but they also play in the late game a lot of times, so I don't. Yeah, that's fair. Generally, mm-hmm. get get the Cowboys games, and he's playing again in prime time, so I won't even see that. But he just, I don't know. He's fine. He's not killing Darren's team, but he's Darren's supposed to be Darren's wide receiver one, and he's just a wide receiver two. So. I don't that's, know. I think he's a bit. No, of a it's letdown. an excellent pick. Yeah, like compared to expectations, I, I think he's definitely let down. And I just, I think he's in. So this is a bad timing for me to say this, but I think he's in that sort of DJ Moore tier. After DJ just put up like 230 <laughs> yards. But I get understand this, the gist of what you're saying there. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's just not like ever going to take a next step and be like a level up guy. And I don't think he's as physically dominant as some other guys valued around him like aj brown for example can take over a game in a way that cd lamb cannot and... i agree you don't like cd lamb disappears a, a lot right and you could definitely make the argument that aj brown does as well but it's not aj brown disappearance more of the eagles offense operating in that way but you see when dallas sometimes like desperately needs some conversions and this was more of a knock on him early in the career it's like he would literally just disappear from the game and so you want to see players of how we hold of caliber of CD Lamb, at least in a dynasty context and value, you want them to demand the targets. Like you, they, you can't not throw him the ball because he's so damn open that if you go back at, at film study, the coach will yell at you saying, "Why didn't you throw it to him? He has like nine yards of separation." Uh, that's what you want to see. But I feel like that's kind of what you're saying, right? Like what, what is it? Like what makes him? And he just, he's just good at everything, but maybe not great at uh, something that really needs that someone needs to really start separating themselves into those tiers. Like AJ Brown has a physicality, right? Um, and then you could just name any really top wide receiver. Like, Oh yeah, they're the X. This is their X factor. Whereas when you get the CD lamb, if I'm playing in Madden, I'm like, well, what's his X factor? And they tell you I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess like, I, that's a stretch, but I guess that works. So, you know, I was going to fight you on this as a bust, but I completely see where you are coming from because I think we would both agree that, uh, Debo Samuel is very exciting, but he had a hugely disappointing game where he pretty much just dropped a donut last week and he still finds himself one spot higher uh, overall wide receiver than C.D. Lamb, which is kind of wild to think about, right? Yeah, and I don't think you think of Debo, Debo Samuel's not wide receiver three in dynasty rankings and stuff, so mm-hmm. you don't think of him in that same light. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It was pretty easy for me, and I always, I think the first time I was on the podcast, I shit on cd lamb and i was like michael gallup's actually really awesome uh that didn't quite come true but i think he would be really good in a situation like philly has or like washington or whatever sort of like a 1a 1b situation i think he would kind of benefit from that um coverage rolling off of him and he had a good year last year without cooper but it was wide receiver six you know he's not returning his investment as like a top three wide receiver yeah, he definitely strikes me as someone who needs that volume, right? He needs to be peppered with targets to be able to do so. Um, so I, I, I definitely kind of agree there, but I feel like this is a great transition because we were just talking about, you know, Debo Samuel and things like that. So this brings us to our next breakout for this next team. We're talking about Tanish and the Boulder Bears. And I'm sorry I have to bring this up. I feel like we bring this player up every single time you're on the podcast too, so I'm sorry about this, Greg. But it has to be Brandon Ayuk because... 
when you think of the 49ers, there's just too many darn mouths to feed. And that's always been the knock. And everyone's like, all right, well, you know, you, you have CMC, but then who's the next guy? And everyone's like, well, let's pick Debo because at least, you know, he might get a couple of handoffs. He's obviously going to get a couple of targets and that's going to be enough for, you know, putting him in the edge over Kittle and a Brandon Ayuk. But I guess jokes on us because Brandon Ayuk is, I guess, not even quietly, because every time you watch the games, you could just see how much more dominant he is than just pretty much everyone on the field. And he's a fringe wide receiver one. He's currently the wide receiver 13 in PDL scoring. And that's after not playing against the Giants in week three. So let that sink in. Literally a top 13 wide receiver right now, despite missing a week. And they're about to go play the Dallas Cowboys, who lost Diggs. Uh, on their secondary, obviously still a fantastic defense. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. When you watch, you clearly see that he has taken another step, so much so that he is demanding these targets that we were just saying about C.D. Lamb. Like, it's crazy the amount of talent that the 49ers have, and yet Brandon Ayuk still gets those targets. It's kind of crazy, and it's not these manufactured things like they do for Debo. It's just Ayuk doing his thing. So, um. I already know your feelings towards Brandon Ayuk, Greg, but uh, I feel like uh, we should continue uh, giving him his flowers. I feel like that's kind of a no-brainer to pick Ayuk as the breakout for the Boulder Bears, right? Well, I would have picked uh, Zach Wilson because I thought we were, you know, after quarterback has one good week, I thought we were, in, you know, <laughs> putting him in the, the breakout category. So I don't know. Wow, um, more yeah, so wait, hold on though. So when you bring this up, so I know Darren's biggest regret is like Amon Ross St. Brown. What's your biggest regret? So when you talk about IU guy could get something back on you. My big, Do you have oh, like I a have, player that you oh, traded yeah, away? Yeah. That you, um, I have tons. I gave away uh, Eckler uh, for essentially Jamison Williams. I gave up um, actually here. You you go on a tangent and let me think about the, all the misses that I've had because okay. I have quite a few to pick from. So I'm overwhelmed. So just give me a second. I'll tell you my top three whiffs that you could just shove down my throat and destroy me with. No, I think Ayuk is great. That's why I traded for him last year. And then Josh made me panic and I had to trade him away for two seconds, um, which at the time Darren said was good value, but I didn't, I didn't like the trade at the time that I made it. And the only positive from it was I traded him to Josh and then Josh played him against me, leading me to lose. And then I guaranteed the first overall pick. So that's the only positive I have. He's, yeah, I mean, he's fulfilling a critical role in the Shanahan offense, and he's doing it at a really high level. And he's really the best, really the only like traditional receiver they have. So he's out there running routes on pretty much every single play of the game. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. doing it well. He's getting open. He doesn't have to deal with like the running back touches and getting injured like that and stuff like that. And he's not like Kittle where he has to block all the time. So he he's in like a perfect situation. There's no real competition for him as far as like traditional receivers because Debo is not that. So, and and now they have Purdy who's been at the worst, he's been steady. Mm -hmm. So he's finding Ayuk on the routes where he's supposed to timing. Everything's working out perfectly. And he's just breaking out. Like I, thought he was going to do and it kills that he's not doing it on my team (laughs) no i completely get that um it's 
doesn't take a lot to take away to see how talented he is when you actually do watch any 49ers game. So that's why for me, clearly a breakout. And for the bust, though, uh, once again, uh, we did preface this a little bit when we said Jamar Chase, but it has to be Joe Burrow. Uh, this has to be one of the uh, biggest surprises, I guess, because everyone's expectation. But I guess it's not really a surprise because everyone might have kind of seen this coming with that calf injury that he sustained uh, right before the season began. And now there's, you know, a lot of questions to see how much it's lingering. He obviously re-aggravated it and he just does not look good. And I feel like this has been a huge, huge blow to uh, definitely Tanish this year, so much so where... um. He doesn't have his own pick, so he wants to compete. But then he kind of, once again, finds, obviously, Joe Burrow being a lot more of a liability than he thought because he obviously, if he didn't make any moves, he would have Justin Herbert, which, once again, is kind of a little bit unfair to say because it's still early in the season. But having Joe Burrow in bust, that should not be a surprise at all, right? Oh, and we, we covered it. I don't, I don't think his long-term dynasty value has gone down. Mm. I think if you're a contender, like if you still had Joe Burrow – you would probably be looking to sell him for some other, you know, like Herbert tier something mm-hmm. and be like, okay, if, if Burrow is just not going to do it this year, I need to like trade out of him. But for Tannis, where he's not really trying to compete, I think it just kind of sucks, but he's not going to do anything other than hold on at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we discussed it. Like, I think there's a decent shot that he gets shut down mm-hmm. um, towards the back half of the year, but I don't know. He's saying all the good things. Like, I feel great. The calf's not really affecting me other than the little scrambles. <laughs> I don't think that's true. And I also think that Joe Burrow, he's he's in that top tier of quarterbacks, but he's not a guy like Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, that has a rocket arm, an arm talent that can overcome not being able to set your feet and really deliver a ball. So he mm-hmm. he doesn't have like a fastball. So when he can't use his lower body to like complete his mechanics, it's causing him to like miss windows. And on top of that, he can't scramble like he normally can. So they're playing like this quick offense and it's just the offensive line sucks too. And I don't know, every, <laughs> it's a perfect storm of just a write-off season for him at this point, I think. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. So let's move on to the next breakout and bus. Let's head over to Dubrovnik, Dragons, and Brett. Greggy, take it away. Oh, I forgot this one was me. I was taking a drink. <laughs> I was halfway up through that, you. I almost choked. Um, breakout has to be David Montgomery because everyone kind of wrote him off, I think, in the Geno Smith way. You traded for him and then traded him away immediately. Mm-hmm. Didn't want anything to do with them. And Mistake. The, the Gibbs hype has been a complete lie. They're not using him any differently than they used DeAndre Swift. He can stay Why healthy. Are you attacking at least, I guess. Darren like this man? I I don't know. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know what you were talking about. You meant DeAndre Swift or Gibbs, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think he can be happy with the way that Gibbs is playing right now. And he was promised so much more, and they just keep using David Montgomery in that Jamal Williams role where he is on a good offense behind a good offensive line in the running back who gets the running work between the tackles is going to put up big yardage. He's going to get goal line opportunities. And he's just going to have to walk through massive holes to get into the end zone. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty good. And that the offense has been, I, I don't know if they're better than last year, but there's at least even, you know, they're a top half offense. 
Goff is looking really good. They're moving the ball. So there's plenty of opportunities and they got out ahead. And then the, when they get out ahead, they're just going to feed David Montgomery that, you know, Gibbs is not going to be involved at that point. So I, I think he's been kind of a dark horse and without him, Brett would be really, really hurting at this point in the year, especially given the rest of his running back room. Uh, every time he plugs a running back into his roster, the the running back takes out life insurance at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I wonder if Dalvin Cook's like calling for life insurance policy at the moment. He's like, this Brett guy just put me in my lineup. Oh my God. Yeah, What's he's the strongest policy you have agent right now? He's like, dude, can you talk? Can you call this guy? Can you can you tell him to like bench me or something like that? I'm I'm legitimately fearful. I mean, David Montgomery already got hurt uh, week three, but he currently finds himself the number nine overall running back in our scoring. So he definitely has to be happy. Well, happy is very relative because unfortunately he finds himself at one and three. And if we know anything about Brett, we know he's going to be fighting until the very end. So I'm sure he's being one of the biggest Montgomery stands because uh, that's actually one of the more memorable, uh, big, uh, chat fiascos. That I remember so far that happened this season where Brett was trying to say how elite, uh, these guys were. And then everyone was like, no, stop it. No, but because he's so controversial, uh, maybe that's exactly what Brett needs to kind of fire up his season. That's kind of, you know, like the Kirko uh, thing that happened last year. He's like, yeah, he is elite. See, and that's what he needs to ride with David Montgomery. Hopefully he could have that uh, Jamal Williams, like our blunt like season where he scores like 19 touchdowns in a season. But uh, maybe he's going to be able to sneak in into that wild card spot. So uh, only time will tell. But what does the bust look like for Mr. Brett? We will go one spot down in this current roster and we'll go to Dalvin Cook, who... <laughs> I mean, I he hasn't been productive. He scored how many fantasy points? 13 points so far. Oh my god. I didn't I think know it was he that looks bad. Wor- I think he looks worse than scoring 13 points. I think he looks legitimately worse than that. I don't understand what happened to him. He didn't have a great year last year, but he was still a running back one. He still had he those like a couple of explosive plays that was like 20 to 30 yards plus. Made a thousand yards. You know, almost 40 catches, eight touchdowns. He looked good. I, I get that maybe the Jets offensive line and the whole offense itself is inept, but I I don't know. He's averaging 2.4 yards a carry, not good, no touchdowns, barely involved in the passing game, and they're saying that Brees Hall is now not on a pitch count anymore and he's going to be the guy moving forward. And they also still involve Michael Carter, on like a third of the, he plays like between yeah, 20 and 30% of the snaps. So Dalvin Cook's going to so just annoying enough to still eat into any of the actual pie that Dalvin was getting and still be inefficient with. And like you just said, um, Brees lightning getting, um, you know, kind of unleashed and rightfully so because anyone with eyes would say, yeah, keep giving that other guy the ball. So I feel like uh, Dalvin Cook, sometimes I always forget that he's like on the jets right now, which is kind of crazy because he's been a staple of, uh, Brett's team and someone that he needed uh, obviously a big return on. So him being a bust, I feel like it's a huge, huge reason why he still finds himself at one and uh, three and kind of needing to really claw back to have a chance to get into a wild card spot. So I know he's hoping for better days and I'm sure he's uh, hoping they probably accept some trades that he might've been offered for a cook, but Hey, you Brobnik Dragons are here, and I'm sure Brett is going to keep trying to fight on. So let's talk about the Hollywood hustle. And it was so easy because at first I was like, oh, yeah, Bajan Robinson, breakout, easy. But I'm not going to take the low-hanging fruit because everyone, I'm not saying everyone kind of expected this, but this was kind of, yeah, 
expected for uh, Robinson. So I'm going to go with Jordan Love, who let me uh, pat uh, Mr. McFaddy on the back a little bit. He has prominently put the future of the hustle as his nickname for quite a while now. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, is it sustainable? Is it going to happen? I don't know. But hey, it doesn't matter because right now Jordan Love finds himself as not just a number four quarterback in PDL scoring, but the number six just overall. That is kind of wild. So that's kind of the season that he has been giving Brian and a huge, huge reason why I think he is the favorite to get that wild card spot. So I know uh, Brian took a lot of grief for that one trade where he kind of said uh, it was just a reload, not a rebuild. But to me, he pretty much is locking up that wild card spot. Maybe that's too soon to say, just because I feel like the firepower that he's kind of uh, displaying is getting kind of impressive. But I feel like um, if he is putting anything together, it's on the backs of uh, Jordan Love giving him such a strong season. What are your thoughts there, Greg? Yeah, I don't know if he has anything locked up because injuries can can really like kneecap you at this point in the year. You know, we're only four weeks in, and the gap between Tanish, Brett, Brian, and Jeff for that wild card spot is still pretty open. I think any big weeks either way can swing that. But that was mostly before Brian made this trade to get additional players. Now he has Hollywood and Judy. So Jeff is the uh, weakest position he had for a little while. Yeah, so I think he's in the driver's seat for it and the favorite. Jordan Love looks pretty good. I don't know if he'll finish as QB4. I think that might be a little bit high, but he looks like he could be in Green Bay for a really long time. He has tons of weapons around, too. And Are you not scared of Sean Clifford just breathing behind his back? That's a joke that I'm not Penn State <laughs> enough to get, I think. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I know who he is, but. I I don't know. I don't even know why you guys make jokes about him. I just know that people make jokes about him. But yeah, I think it's just probably just an us thing, just because of the Penn State bias. Build out or beat out Will Levis. That's fair. um, Yeah, no, I I think Jordan Love's looking good. I really think there's a lot of breakouts. He would have loved if you picked Tank Dell. I mean, I definitely could have picked uh, Tank Dell, and he absolutely is a breakout. But I feel like uh, Brian lets us know how much of a breakout he is. He doesn't really talk about love as much. And so, you know, Tank Dell already gets the recognition he deserves in the chats. And I'm trying to avoid a low hanging first, but I know Brian would have felt very validated if I went that route. So Brian, sorry, McFaddy, shout out Tank Dell, definitely stepping up, being the guy that you absolutely saw. But now let's rain on your parade a little bit here. And I feel like to me, the bust is Mr. George Kittle. Um, the big knock on Kittle is never been his talent. It's always just been his utilization and injury history. And we're kind of back at it again. Luckily for Brian, he, there is no injury to talk about, but it's just his usage. Anytime I feel like they do go his way, he always delivers. He's always been efficient on his touches for the most part. It's just, there's just too many mouths to feed. And there are obviously going to be some games where, you know, Debo might have like a, three touchdown game cmc just had a four touchdown game so like you don't really need to do things so the big knock on george kittle isn't necessarily oh he's such a bust because he stinks it's just i mean his whole mo and the reason why i was like all right yeah i kind of do have to trade him away i can't depend on him is this specifically because of that I, he's still probably my favorite tight end in the nfl it's just in a fantasy context that's not the tight end that you're looking for you're looking for someone who is a staple 
uh, focus of an offense. And unfortunately, that's not George Kittle. Right now, up until this point of the season, he finds himself as tight end 16. And Greg, I think you would agree, he's definitely not the 16th best tight end in the NFL. I, I feel like you you ask across all, you know, GMs and players will say, no, no, George Kittle probably is, if not the um, top three, he's probably the one. Um, you know, Obviously, that's not Travis Kelsey, if you have that uh, parameters for pass catching. But yeah, you would still have to be a little bit disappointed because obviously, like I mentioned, Brian is all in on trying to get into the playoffs and get lock up that wild card spot that I so uh, maybe prematurely crowned him in. So let's see if that comes back to bite me in the butt. But Brian, I'm a uh, ride or die with you right now, apparently. Um, but yeah, George Kittle bust makes sense, right? Yeah, I think we're going to see Brian at the owners meeting in the offseason try to get a rule implemented for points per block. And then <laughs> Kittle will like, be undisputed tight end one. But at this point, tight end 16 is pretty much useless. Uh, you can get tight end 16 off of waivers. I think last year, tight ends in the tight end 16 range were noted superstars like Jordan Aikens. Uh, you could have gotten off waivers at any point during the year. <laughs> I know you brought yeah. him up, and I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but Logan Thomas currently, literally tight end six, literally right now, tight end six. I know he has that extra game played, so that might inflate his stats a little bit. But uh, yeah, if you're a tight end outside of what, like the top 12, it's essentially. I useless. think if you're a top end, if you're a tight end outside of the top two or three, you don't even That's matter. Fair. Yeah, no, like the gap is astronomical between all of them. And then the gap between like eight and 20 something is pretty much nothing. So, yeah, you got to be disappointed, especially because he that was in the big trades. We traded away Mark Andrews, who after missing the first game has been pretty good. I think you have to be at least happy with them tight end four. The Todd Monken so, offense, uh, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. A little slow start with Mark Andrews. I think you're the uh, only one. Hurt. Yeah, <laughs> of course. But yeah, he definitely has to be a little bit disappointed with George Kittle for sure. Uh, but especially because what you saw at the end of last year, right? It, it, he was almost like Purdy's go-to guy and he had almost like a touchdown every single game for a little while. And it was the most touchdown Kittle scored in his career. So people were saying, well, yeah, maybe is it an anomaly? Cause Kittle typically hasn't done that. Or is this just how it is with Purdy now as the starter? So that stack should still provide uh, a lot of value if they, um, by they, I mean the 49ers have any kind of injuries, but you know, you can't really predict that. So uh, at least right now, just like this whole episode serves, we're just, doing a pulse check as of today October 6th when you guys are going to be listening to this as well and uh, yeah I don't think it's um, off to say that Brian would be a little bit disappointed up to this point at least with the performance that Kittle has done in a fantasy context so let's continue on let's dive into the which to whirlwind and what Jeff has been up to Jeff break out Tua Tua done. <laughs> yeah, that's done. done do I need to say anything more Um, in what I can only describe as an absolutely terrible start to the season for Jeff. I think two is one of the lone bright spots. You had all the off season stuff around him taking judo lessons. so he can learn how to fall properly and not smack his head off the ground. Like a toddler. Every time he falls, um, like he just, yeah, he doesn't even have like a soft head, you know, like babies have soft heads to kind of defend against that kind of stuff (laughs) Two doesn't even have that. So he, yeah, that was a concern all offseason, and he looked good in the McDaniel offense. Just can he stay healthy? And he's been healthy, and he's been absolutely tearing up poor, poor defenses like Denver. 
<laughs> dropped 70 on him. Um, what is he now? He's he's QB eight, but I think that's because some of the games like they had to take their feet off the gas. It was like it hurts last year where you know halfway mm-hmm. through the game they kind of mm-hmm. just they're like ah eh, this is over and just take him out and stop making him pass it so much. So he's been without a doubt I think the brightest spot on Jeff's team. I don't even think there's any competition. This might actually be the easiest one of all the, the rankings we've done so far. Um, he's been really really good and is now up there in um, not the top tier for the dynasty quarterbacks, but depending on how you break it down, like probably the second or third tier of um, fantasy QBs. This has to be one of the more franchise-defining moves that Jeff has done. Um, For those of you who don't remember, let's rewind the clock exactly one year. How crazy is that? One year ago, October 6, 2022, this trade happened. Jeff went out and acquired Tua Tagovailoa and Teddy Bridgewater and sent away Russ, Mr. Russell Wilson, over to the Denver Brews and Steve. And boy, did this trade age very, very well for Jeff because Tua only being 25 and now hopefully trying to put some of those concussion concerns behind him, which I don't think he's ever going to be able to shake, but just the kind of like what you said, just he's just playing so well, his ball placement, the touch, the accuracy, the anticipation, it's everything that you want to see. And marrying that with uh, Mike McDaniel offense is kind of perfect. So that I couldn't agree more with you has to be one of the huge, huge (laughs) and spoiler, maybe few bright spots that Wichita is currently experiencing. Right. Yeah. I think we can go into the bus at this point and I apologize, Jeff. I mean, I sat about here thinking for a while. I don't know when you, when you listen to this, Jeff, you can put in the chat, like who you're most disappointed with. I suspect it's quite a long list because uh, let, let's be honest here. Most of what we do here is absolute luck. It's complete luck, like injury luck, players getting traded, signing with different teams. It's just, it's just luck. And pretty much every one of the moves that he made over the last six months has just aged poorly. Like Christian Watson, he traded for him. He got injured. He hasn't been playing. Um, Dalton Kincaid, Quentin Johnston, Rasheed Rice, not super involved. I think Rasheed Rice and Dalton Kincaid have been a little bit more involved, but compared to, you see these other rookies, Puka Nakua going off, say Flowers getting involved with like 12 targets in one week. You know, Laporta for tight ends, breaking the tight end records and stuff like that. And then Stevenson and Pierce just, being okay, I think you have some optimism, especially for Pierce, that when the Texans get their offensive line back from like four injuries or whatever it is, that he might be uh, more of a contributor. And he's been picking it up in the last couple of weeks. But for me, the selection is Daniel Jones, just because we talked about it earlier, how terrible they've been in the Darren Waller segment. But they just a combination of the offensive line not being able to stop anyone at all 10 sacks last week for 59 minus 59 yards, which is hilarious. I didn't realize how far back he got sacked. <laughs> uh, it looks like a college stat where they like the rushing goes back. It's just a backwards rush and line up with like negative yardage. He's just been bad. The only good news for Daniel Jones in my mind is that they don't really have an out on that contract this year. So he probably <laughs> is there for two years. That's the only probably good there starting there. quarterback. He just shows up and they're like, oh God, this guy's still here. Damn it. Yeah. And I think 
I, I think there's maybe a lesson here where Jeff and Tanish both went into the year with only two quarterbacks. They did not have a third quarterback that they can swap in. In both of them, other than the teams that don't give a shit like me, they they're struggling for quarterbacks. Like they are probably the two worst quarterback teams in the league right now, and they don't have any other options. So at this point, if Daniel Jones doesn't get better, you're probably better off like switching in some other non-quarterback position to play that flex spot. Daniel Jones had one thirty-three point week, and other than that, two points, two points, six points. Oh my gosh! A wide that's... receiver can get that. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm beating a dead horse here, and I apologize. And this isn't propaganda. This is off the cuff. But we just keep bringing Logan Thomas because I'm I'm sorry, Greg. He's completely worthless to the league. Um, but yeah, Logan Thomas, uh, ten times more beneficial for your lineup if you would have started him outside of that one week where he scored 33. But outside of that, like you said, there's only been one other time where he scored over two points. And that was this past week where he scored six. So it's just not looking that good for that guy right now. And I know with the money that they gave him, and once again, I know we kind of talked about a little before about Darren Waller, you definitely are looking for a bigger return, but unfortunately it's not looking that great for him. Uh, I was just a little bit surprised because there are unfortunately some other candidates that you could have went with, but I definitely would have to agree with you. I, I knew Daniel Jones has been struggling, but I didn't know it was to this scope, literally, uh, where out of every single week uh, combined, he's put up 10 points outside of that one Arizona week. So that is def- definitely concerning. Um, yeah, I think so, Higgins Higgins is another one, but I... Oh, yeah, it's a little injury-related too, right? Yeah, it's not really his fault. And he is also injured now, and then it's a burrow injury thing. So I think that's a huge letdown for Jeff, but I don't think it's necessarily his fault yeah no i completely agree so let's continue this moving it forward let's go over to the dallas drip and welch and i feel like the biggest and you might be able to make the argument might be the biggest surprise breakout i wouldn't say surprise he he has been on some people's radar for sure but i don't think anyone would have has seen the scope of the breakout but nico collins is currently the wide receiver eight in the pdl and there's literally only been one week where he didn't put up double digit points and that was against the jacksonville jaguars where he only put up four but outside of that 11 points 24 points and then 32 against the steelers this is crazy and elite I'm kind of torn because I love what I'm seeing. I mean, he's 6'4", over 210 pounds. Um, it's everything that you want to see in a wide receiver, but everything in my instinct says, man, this is a rookie quarterback throwing the ball. CJ Stroud, who looks phenomenal, by the way. Doesn't even look like a um, rookie, and maybe he will be the anomaly, but normally you don't see them being able to sustain fantasy options, but just kind of seeing their connection, what just they're able to do. And just at the end of the day, Nico Collins is just a good, good quarterback, or sorry, a good wide receiver. Um, he kind of passes the eye test. I feel like it could be sustainable, but either way, it doesn't matter. A huge, huge breakout, and I'm sure Welch is uh, very, very happy with the return because I'm sure this isn't even something that he was expecting, right? No, because you assume rookie quarterback equals bad wide receiver production, but they've been sustaining multiple, like Tank Dell, startable, Nico Collins, startable, even Robert Woods to some extent has been startable. Uh, They're all getting a lot of targets and Houston falls behind. So that's kind of what the story (laughs) was with Houston last year. They, they fall behind and even Davis Mills had some decent games last year where they just had to play catch up and he had a couple, I think 300 
yard games where they just had to chuck it. And yeah, I think the, the, it really came out of nowhere because people weren't sure who was going to be the receivers who were going to be the receivers for the Texans. They have Nico Collins, Robert Woods, Tank Dell. They drafted Xavier Hutchinson. They drafted John Mechie was coming back from cancer last year. They brought in, they paid Dalton Schultz a lot of money to not be super involved in that offense. Uh, and then they have Damian Pierce and they ran the ball a lot last year for pretty successful is the most successful part of their offense. And basically everything says that Nico Collins shouldn't be successful. The offensive line has four out of five starters injured, but he's been fantastic. And I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be sustainable. You, you think maybe they bring in some competition in the draft next year to like replace Robert Woods, but I don't think they would draft someone Mm-hmm. that would be a real danger to Nico Collins. And that's a danger to like any wide receiver, I guess, but he's, mm-hmm. he's been great. I think I, I don't, I don't see any real world where this isn't a sustained thing. I think he could be a long-term number one receiver for CJ Stroud, who looks like he could be a long-term number one quarterback. Absolutely. Definitely lots of arrows looking up for the Dallas strip, who once again, kind of pivoted a little bit. Looks like they're uh, trying to aim for putting as uh, least amount of points, especially with the amount of point shitting that they have done with a couple of transactions that they have made. But let's talk about um, probably their biggest bust and maybe two for them, they've been okay with this. And I know you have had some pushback on this, which is absolutely fair. But to me, it's definitely Dallas Goddard. Uh, I know the tight end position, you don't expect much from it, but Dallas Goddard being the tight end 32 I think that's a little bit different. And outside of like that one game in week two where the Eagles literally just like force fed him the ball because he got like almost, I think he got zero catches against New England. I thought he got zero targets, but I'm seeing here that he got one target that game. But there was a lot of narrow being like, how do you, wow, that was Scott or didn't even get a single catch. So they pretty much forced him the ball week two to kind of make up for it. But outside of that, when the Eagles offense is kind of going, he's always like an afterthought. He's really important to our offense because he'll only get like maybe like three, four catches a game, but each time there are pretty good conversions, but fantasy wise, you definitely expect more. And I feel like it's all kind of tied to a little bit of a disappointment with the Eagles offense, right? I know they are obviously undefeated, but you could easily defend this thing. Well, Tommy, it's a tight end landscape. It's terrible. You shouldn't expect much if you're not named Kelsey or like Andrews or something like that or Hawkinson. You, you shouldn't expect anything too, too big, uh, which is absolutely fair. But my rebuttal would be, well, Dallas Goddard, at least what people thought heading into this season said, all right, let's tie him to a good offense. Uh, maybe this could be a time where he, you know, gets a couple more touchdowns, a couple more targets his way. And let's see if this offense is going to be as explosive as it was last year. And up to this point, um, he has never broken double digits yet. He's already given you a donut week one, like I mentioned before. And this past week, he just put up four and a half points. So this is a tight end premium league, so it's not very hard to get over that threshold of just trying to put over four points. But Dallas Goddard has shown that it might be a little bit of a struggle. So uh, it's kind of weird because it's kind of a catch-22 because I feel like Welch is completely okay with how uh, Dallas Goddard has been playing. But I feel like it's also fair to say that um, since Welch is kind of extending his rebuild, it looks like, for another year or two, um, the tight end room is definitely going to be an additional room that he's going to now have to address, right? Yeah, I mean, well, he has Laporta sitting on oh, the yeah. taxi squad. Oh, yeah, has Laporta, so yeah. If he wanted, he could call him up. Like, if he was competing, he would have done that by now, I think. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I argued against this when we were putting on the show, Doc, because 
I just don't think Dallas Goddard is very good. I don't think he's ever been very good. Philly fans were practically running Zach Ertz out of town, and Zach Ertz is basically double the tight end Dallas Goddard has ever been. Goddard is just – he's never finished higher than 10th. 10th is completely irrelevant for fantasy tight ends. It's useless. It's just the price you're paying for him is absurd compared to the value that he's delivering. And I don't know. I get why you would have some expectations for him, but I don't know. For me, he's I, 32 is a little bit low, but like I said, like what's the gap between like tight end 12 and tight end 32? I don't know what it is. Probably not that big. Like if you're either useless or not useless and he's always useless. So he just continues being useless. He's just slightly less useful. No, that's absolutely fair. It's just, um, no, I think you make a very good point, but I think in my only defense is just looking at the Dallas strip and their current roster, it's kind of hard to pick another disappointment or bust uh, outside of uh, injuries, really. I mean, obviously there's going to be a rookie label, so I can't say Bryce Young, even though he had his fair share of injuries. I know he already missed the week. And then uh, Drake London, that's kind of just not fair <laughs> because it is the- Desmond, uh, Desmond Ritter has an eye injury where he can't see anything. <laughs> Yeah, so actually, yeah, there probably are some uh, additional things that we could have picked. But for me, it kind of fell into that category. But I completely understand that rebuttal. And I think you're right. If you are, Although not... I want to quickly, I want to quickly derail because we didn't talk about it before. Trevor Lawrence. How do you feel right now? You know, I feel like Trevor Lawrence, everyone was expecting to take that next leap, right? Because everyone kind of saw it last year where they're like, all right, with Doug Peterson, it, it, he, we're finally getting delivered what we want. So next year, a full offseason in the system again, we should see that next monumental step. And I feel like he's still not there right now, the quarterback 19 in scoring. So great job bringing this up because I feel like we haven't mentioned Trevor Lawrence a lot. Um, but I feel like in a dynasty context, he's always held in such high esteem um i feel like this is a really great point to bring in because he does only have four passing touchdowns up so far this season and he definitely has been uh pretty mobile um he had 42 yards rushing last week but he has no rushing touchdowns so i feel like that's definitely hurting him as well uh but for me i feel like um you know, it's still early on the season. I feel like uh, Trevor Lawrence, I wouldn't be panicking at all. And I know Welch definitely is not because he doesn't look like he's trying to win this year. But this is a good point. Do you think Trevor Lawrence is ever going to get to that level that people have believed? Or do you think that ship has uh, way past sailed? I, I don't think he's going to be that generational guy. I don't think, for, for me personally, that was never possible when he went to the Jaguars. I think that was out of the range of possibilities. I think he can get back <laughs> to what he was last year. I, I if you look at him, so De, uh, Welch, Welch will rebut in the chat. Like he has a lot of wide receiver drops. He's actually one of PFF's highest graded passers, this kind of stuff, et cetera. I, I agree. I don't think it's necessarily all his fault, but sometimes you, you just, when you're on the Jaguars, when you're on the Browns, these type of teams that at some point it's more than luck, right? It's just like, this is what they do. This is what these franchises do. For some reason, it just never pans out for them. So I wonder a little bit if that's the case for him. I think they'll pick up because I think Calvin Ridley is a really good receiver. And Christian Kirk is a great number two receiver. Zay Jones has been good in a complimentary role when he's not injured. Uh, ETN has been successful. So I think there's brighter days ahead. But yeah, I, I guess I didn't even notice this. But yeah, he he's definitely would be a disappoint for, for disappointment for me. 
but I want to play the host for a second. Trevor Lawrence or CJ Stroud, if you had to have a dynasty quarterback right now. Ooh, I love this one. And you know what? This might be shocking, but I think I still would have to go with Trevor Lawrence just for right now. It's probably the wrong pick. Um, but the only reason I go that way is because a, uh, I still obviously believe in what Trevor can do. And I feel like there's a lot of room for growth and still uh, taking additional steps because I know a lot of people kind of write off his rookie season, but the only additional reason is because, uh, I just believe Trevor Lawrence has more upside, at least in the running category. I know CJ Stroud could absolutely do so as well, but I feel like, uh, Trevor Lawrence has proven that he uh, kind of takes the wheels a little bit more, hasn't, um, converted in any kind of uh, fantasy output, at least in touchdowns. But yeah, I think I might be alone in this island because I'm assuming you would probably go Stroud, right? Um, I think I would I would go Richardson over... I'll go yes. Richardson, Lawrence, Stroud. Interesting. Would be my order. Yeah, I think I would have to, at least in a fantasy context as well. But I, I, like I said, I, I feel like all signs should point to CJ Stroud. But once again, it, it is so early in the season, but everything that he has shown, I feel like is is the real deal. So I, I, once again, I feel almost like I'm making the wrong decision, but I'm just, I trying think it's to go close. It's definitely close. pretty close. So I, I don't think you can make a wrong decision at this point, but yeah, I was just curious. I derailed no, the show by great like 10 minutes there. No, that, that's a fantastic question, but we do have two more teams remaining. So let's jump on and move to Michael's team in the California earthquakes. Take it away. Easy segue. <laughs> right. For, it's like we planned this yeah, almost CJ Stroud. Um, I won't admit I was wrong, but I may have been slightly misguided in my quarterback evaluations and CJ Stroud looks really good. I think Michael's trade, I think he gave up a lot to get that pick and I think it's worth it. I think we're at the point now in the season where it's not a one or two game thing. He just legitimately looks good and it looks sustainable and I don't think rookie quarterbacks who are this successful for this many games come back to earth uh, that hard. So I think he's going to be pretty much what we see right now. And it's only going to get a little bit better if they can get healthier on the offensive line. As the season goes on, maybe Nico Collins feels a little more comfortable. Tank Dell gets more involved. They find specific roles for the wide receivers in this offense. Maybe they get Dalton Schultz a little bit more involved. And as long as that defense stays bad, although the Steelers didn't really score a lot on them, but that's not a good barometer, I think. The offense will probably have to play keep up a little bit. And yeah, I just think he has to be ecstatic for TJ Stroud. He needed a quarterback. That's the number one thing you need when you're going through a rebuild. And he's got at least one of them, 22 years old. Even if this is a long rebuild, CJ Stroud will absolutely be in his prime when, when he's ready to compete again. Yeah, and honestly, the signs look really good because right now CJ Stroud finds himself in right. Now, um, I'm not saying a weak division, but I mean the defenses that he's going to be playing against looks like uh, Indianapolis, which is definitely respectable, but it's also like the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. So I feel like he could be the quarterback to really beat in this division, right? And he could really start solidifying himself, especially with, I mean, just the amount of attempts that he's had in his first four games, historic pace. And like you said, even though if he comes back to earth at some point, it's not like he's just not going to know how to do this anymore. So just everything that I've seen with CJ Stroud has been absolutely unbelievable. He's looking like to be 
you know, everyone said, oh my God, he's the most pro ready. He's the most pro. That's just like some things that people say in the offs or yeah, in the off season about these rookies, but oh my gosh, everyone said, yeah, CJ Shark, you could just plug and play him. Yeah. Apparently when you plug and play him uh, on one of the worst uh, environments, he still shows up and still looks good. So that has to be a huge, huge win. And Michael has to be a little bit of relief, right? Because you did say he did give up a lot for that pick, but right now I feel like he couldn't have gone the wrong way, either picking Anthony Richardson or Stroud. Um, but he definitely has to be happy and uh, have to be doing a little bit of a victory lap, at least what he's seen for the first couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, that division, I'm now I'm now realizing like that could be a fun quarterback division, like CJ Stroud, Trevor Lawrence, Anthony Richardson. And you would think probably Will Levis or... Malik Willis gets the the shot in Tennessee, so there's going to be a lot of the young quarterbacks there, and they're going to play each other a lot over the next several years. Yeah, and I so think pinning them against each other is only going to be more fun because they're all kind of trying to see who's going to be the one that comes out on top, and all of them are just going to be really following those career and how they progress a lot closer. So it should be a lot of fun to kind of see, but unfortunately, it's not all looking that great in the quarterback room for the Earthquakes, huh? Yeah, I think the disappointment, much like you'll get to my team afterwards. It's kind of hard when you don't have any expectations. It's hard to be disappointed. Um, I think of the picture, like I expect nothing and I'm still disappointed in Desmond Ritter. <laughs> he, they, they looked like for a second, you know, like, Hey, you got two starting quarterbacks, Desmond Ritter, young quarterback. He's going to have an opportunity in Atlanta. He's not it. Wh- whatever Arthur Smith is seeing, I don't know, but they, need to put Heineke in there if they want to win any sort of games. And Heineke is not that good, but he can at least chuck the ball. I mean, he was supporting um, McLaren and Dotson. He can support fantasy options. Even had some games here and there. Yeah, he's not he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL, but he's a good backup to play in a pinch. And he's also not afraid to just chuck it, which when you have Drake London and Kyle Pitts, maybe if you can just chuck it down there, get it within, I don't know, three yards of them. Maybe they can go catch it. Desmond Render can't even do that. So they need to get him out of there. I, I don't know what Michael's expectations were for him because I know Josh had high expectations because he went to Cincinnati and he liked him and he traded a bunch of starting running backs to get him. And for a second, it looked like maybe he would be good. But I think this experiment, it's got to end within a week or two, right? Like they – it was a nationally televised game. I don't know how many people watch the morning games, but I watch them because it's like it's perfect prime time, like afternoon for me. So I watch these games, and he just he looked like I don't know CFL quarterback in playing in the NFL. Like he was completely outmatched, and they're not even asking him to do much. They're really not asking him to do much, and he can't even do that. So I don't think he's long to be a starter in the NFL, or probably even a backup at this point. Yeah, I feel like Michael definitely probably didn't have the highest expectations for Ritter, but yeah, I think you said it so eloquently, like expect nothing and still disappointed. And it seems like Ritter almost looks like Marcus Mariota out there. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, is there even a difference in their play? I think he's worse. The same. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You could absolutely make the argument that he's worse, which is absolutely wild. So I know uh could be low-hanging fruit, but I completely agree with you. I think even I'm impressed by how bad Ritter was is, especially with the role that he's given. He's always like, all right, this is all you have to do. And he still can't even deliver like you mentioned. So the final team, Greg, we're talking about you. 
Austrian, are you tired of uh, always being at the bottom? And are you just waiting for this sweet redemption when you're just like competing and just destroying people? I, I don't have that much optimism. From I, I've said this like eight times. I don't have that much optimism. If you guys can't tell, I'm not super optimistic of a person. Uh, <laughs> I'm a realist. I think last, next year I'll probably not be at the bottom, but I still expect to be in the bottom half, I guess. I'm not really tired of it. It's just, it's pretty exhausting to be rebuilding. I'm not super interested week to week. Um, if the if the league wasn't very engaging and there weren't like podcasts in the chat active and stuff, I would have definitely left in the off season. Like I'm so bored. It's terrible. I understand why, like you guys give shit to Brett for like not rebuilding, but why would you want to do this? Cause it's terrible. I'm so bored. <laughs> you're literally, this is like a cry for help. You're like, yeah, I've been at the bottom. It's been super lonely. Yeah, but I, I would say what light looks like. So you're, you're I'm not going to spoil your thing here. You can announce that you announce it first, I guess. All right. Your breakouts and busts is what you're saying, right? Yeah. All right. So Greggy for your breakout easily has to be Justin Herbert. Uh, anyone with eyes, if they watched Justin Herbert play last season, they would have known that something was off and he didn't have that great of a season. Whereas if you kind of just look at the stats, that's been really the only season that wasn't that good. So uh, entering this um, this offseason, you're like, you know what? Let me go get him because I feel like he can still be great. And up to this point, he is the quarterback one in our scoring and looks absolutely phenomenal. Um, you could say, hey, maybe it's Kellen Moore. Um, but no, it's just Herbert doing what Herbert does. And he looks fantastic. And I know he looked like he got super banged up this past game with like his all, like non-throwing hand finger where he's wearing a sling. Didn't look great. But regardless, um, as long as I have... Brandon Stanley as the head coach and uh, I know he hasn't really gone for it on fourth as much anymore but he still makes like these weird decisions uh, where it could just be like 30 inches and they're like all right let's dial up a bomb I'm like what are what are they doing but I mean it works I guess because fantasy wise you guys get to reap the rewards and the Chargers doing Charger things but breakout please please don't talk about Brandon Stanley (laughs) I know he's he's probably the bane of your existence no I, I guess I'll say something nice about him um I, I guess it's it's nice that the NFL provides opportunities for disabled people. I think that <laughs> is very nice that the NFL allows him to be a coach. And I don't know if there's going to be something similar to the Rooney rule where like, you know, not you fully to, abled people might have to be interviewed. Someone for on jobs. the spectrum has to be interviewed at least once. Yeah, I don't and know. And Brandon Stanley just made it through the room like, oh, wow, you gave them that good for you, Los Angeles. Always just being so, um, you know, ahead of the curve. Yeah, they're very progressive down there in uh, in LA. So I don't know what's going on. I mean, after they started putting broccoli on pizza, I was like, all right, it's kind of wild over there, but I get it. But I feel like, yeah, it's, I know you don't want to say anything positive about him, but let me get a little bit negative. And I feel like for butts, it's really hard to pick for the Austrian Oaks, but I know this might be controversial. Just like when you picked Hertz, I'm going to pick Bateman. I feel like Rashad Bateman has been to me, he's just straight up really disappointed because as you know, I have Lamar Jackson on my team. And after Oda Beckham Jr. got hurt, I was like, oh man, Mark Andrews, a flowers Bateman. This could still be a squad. They don't even need JK Dobbins. Let's see what happens. And uh, I know Bateman has probably been shaking injuries, and I know at the top I said I'm gonna kind of take injuries, and if they're injured, it won't count. But I feel like it hasn't been significant enough, or he's been like missing time, so it's still Bateman doing Bateman things. And I thought, um, at least my calling card for him is in the past when he was on the field, he's actually like great, and I'm sure that's still the case. But um, the games that I've seen so far, and uh, admittedly, uh, I'm not as focused as I have been the past seasons for obvious reasons, but. I don't know. I feel like I'd be pretty disappointed, but I know the argument could probably be that, you know, you're not really expecting 
uh, a, a huge season from him this season, but I, I don't know when then I feel like that's kind of been the thing with Bateman. So for me, uh, I feel like he's really the only candidate that kind of makes sense. Everyone else, I was like, eh, I mean, Greg is he's probably just going to trade whoever I mentioned here if they have a good game or if they're just doing poorly, he's just, you know, just rostering them for right now to see what happens. But uh, yeah, I would love to know your thoughts. I didn't. So when I traded for Bateman, he's definitely, his value has definitely gone down in my mind. Not really. He's still been good when he's out there, but he was injured week eight last year, week eight last year. And normally Liz Frank recovery is like about 18 months. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's one of the longest term injuries for wide receivers as far as it's not 18 months to like get back to playing, but 18 months to be full speed again. It's like the running back coming back from an ACL, like the first season doesn't really count and you're prone to Mm -hmm. re-injuries in that leg and stuff like that. He had that hamstring tweak, but he was only out one week. So I don't know. I don't have much expectation for him. And I also feel like he's, I think he's just done with the Ravens. I think he's a really, so I know maybe the Panthers are looking for a wide receiver. They might try to trade for him. I don't know if the Ravens will trade him now or maybe in the off season, but I don't think he wants to resign with them. He was pissed last year. Yeah, you know, the Hollywood Brown route, right? Yeah. But he, so he injured his foot like week three or four last week or last year. And then they rushed him back. And then he re-injured that foot and he was, he, had the Liz Frank injury and he's out for an entire year and he do all that rehab. And then in the off season, they shit on the wide receivers. They're like, we need, we don't have any good wide receivers. And he's like, what the fuck, man? Like I tried to play through an injury that you guys told me to play through. I was out for the season. And then you go out and shit talk me. Like, I think he just, if you see his demeanor in the interviews and just walking around, he's just like mentally stuff, checked out almost like sounding he's like angry. He's like really angry all the time. Uh, there's one like menacing one where he's like walking his first day, like walking back from the injury. He just looks like pissed. And I think he, I don't know if he's like mentally checked out, but I think he's still a great receiver. If he gets through the year relatively healthy with missing less than like five games, that's a, a win for me. And I think he'll be ready to go in a year or two. And I just don't think he's, his future is with the Ravens. And I knew that when I traded for him. So um, yeah, I, I can see if you took him in a redraft or something, you would be absolutely, you would have dropped him like two weeks ago at this point. But for me, it's pretty much what I expect. I would have loved to him for to come back and be at hundred percent snap rate earning 12 targets a game, but that was never realistic with the, the injury he had in the recovery period that it takes. Yeah, no, that, uh, with that context, absolutely makes sense. This is just me getting back at you by putting Jalen Hurts as my bust as you a already mentioned. I know. I know. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just, you know, when you run your own podcast, you got to kind of control the narrative. I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm still mad at Greg. So, you know, I'm just going to throw Bateman in here and beat him up. But like I said, I feel like you don't really have one just because, unfortunately, you are living at the bottom. I know you said it's been pretty boring, pretty lonely down here. Unfortunate, or I guess I should say fortunately, it looks like there are some other franchises that might be trending in your direction. And you guys might be at, um, you know, an intercom. And Michael and I have a support group. We meet weekly. <laughs> It's hard because the time zones, you know, he's it's nine hours oh, behind. Yeah, but, yeah, I get that. But I have been messaging him sometimes, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, Misery you got company. I get it. I get yeah. it. You should yeah, just here, write a here's book. some insights to the league. Like, people don't buy wide receivers, so don't even try to sell wide receivers. Like, I tried to help him out and make it look like Josh Reynolds was 22, but no, I don't think anyone fell for that. <laughs> you know, it just it hasn't been working out. Did you? Um... 
yeah, you have to see what teams are going through and you're just like, oh my gosh, no, I've been there. I know exactly what you are going through. So definitely being able to at least navigate it that way. But how excited were you when I did the um, Rate My League podcast? And it must have been news to you where you're like, how am I not 12? That must have been pretty exciting for you, right? I don't know. So I don't think I'm the... I think if we were picking... If, if we all vacated all of our teams and people were picking teams oh, you would not to take over. To yeah. I don't think I would yeah. be the last in like a dynasty context. Cause if you look at my draft capital, everyone is very Darren interested. would abandon his team right now for your team. Just he's Maybe. like, Oh my God, he has more picks than well, me. I don't I have Odell Beckham or Tom Brady. So he <laughs> probably wouldn't do don't it. Worry, he'll, he'll trade you a couple firsts for that. And then he'll be like, Oh shit, I did it again. Yeah. So I, I think when I read or when I heard them say the context of they rate, not only did they just rate the picks like keep trade cut does of like, this is all a mid first round pick. Mm-hmm. They waited whose pick I had. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. made sense to me on like why I wasn't last. Um, if people but think that I'm still must've been refreshing okay, yeah. though, right? You're still listening. You're like, oh, fuck, here we go. They're going to be like, how does slightly this validating, like, oh, I guess. Cool, nice. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, saying, it's just the, uh, the, trending the, right. the, the worst part isn't necessarily that like the future stuff. It's just for now. I see players like, on the trade block and you guys have conversations, but I don't have, I'm not even involved in conversations because no one's really trying to acquire draft capital at this point. And I'm kind of just holding my picks and I don't have players that anyone's interested in. I can't like Bateman's not performing to a level where a contender would want to trade for him right now. Or, you know, my relevant, my most relevant player is like Herbert, but I'm not trading Herbert. Um, and yeah, the rest of the guys just no one's interested in. So it's very lonely. No one, no one even messages me, asks me the prices for players and stuff. So I don't Maybe know. Maybe because keep... they respect you, they're like, ah, no, I don't want to lowball Greg. And for me, I'm never gonna message you because you don't want any like guys going into a retirement home, right? You don't want guys that have their Medicare oh. card already. Well, I've so had I'm just this... like, why, why should I do that to myself? I've had people like accuse me of being really smart when I message them or like about a trade, and they're like, I don't know. This the three people I think have said this. They're like. I like offer them a trade and then if they think about it and they're like, why does, why do you want that trade? Like, what do you know that I don't know? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I just like random players. I don't have some like (laughs) orb of truth that I know people keep accusing me of like having some sort of knowledge that I don't have. Oh, you totally do. Like if you just reached out to me and, and I'm completely making this up, obviously, and you just reach out to me and send me like a third round pick for Terrace Marshall, I should jump all over that. But I would be like, no because why why did you do this and that could literally be anyone on my team you could be like Tommy I'll give you a I'll give you a, a second or a third for a conqua I'll be like why what does Greg know so I feel like you're I actually um, I actually started that whole Chase Brown thing I just sent messages to Tommy and Max and I was like hey what do you guys think of Chase Brown and then there was just a whole fight <laughs> over him in the league you stirred things up into you should use your power now that you know what you have right you told, oh man, or do you already? You probably do. Doing. All right. Wow. Great. I just have, putting on a so face I'm, right just, I'm too stubborn to like ever change my opinion. So I just have players that I like, and there's like five of them. And I finally got one. So I was glad that I overpaid for Herbert. Um, I still think even in hindsight, I overpaid for him, but I'm just happy because I have him on my team. He's so weird, but not in like a Tom Brady, like make out with your kids type way. Just more of a, on my YouTube algorithm, I get like all of these random videos he's he's in. He was doing something for like Traeger grills. He had like a, a video yeah, where he was he's, like barbecuing he's like, a, he's like a dork, but I love yeah. it. Yeah, he's, he's like all these fishing videos. Yeah. 
He's yeah, yeah. So dorky, and he's like and quoting Monty Python. Like he's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love Flesh this guy. Thing, I Flesh, love oh my god, he's like, awesome. Oh. Like, are you kidding me? This guy's the man. Yeah. So I can't ever have him off my team now. Yeah. And so the other guy you're talking about is uh, you're really upset because you didn't buy it on the Zach Wilson by a low window because that would have finished it off for you. You would have. You'd already be competing. My picks. I I, would, I think I would only have two picks this year. Then I'm trying to think of like which picks I was even offering. Last year, I think I offered Jeff's first and Max's first, and then I turned that into Michael's current first round pick and Brian's first round pick. So I wouldn't have those two first round picks this year if I had Zach Wilson. And that was my so. So for Tanish, you could have probably the second or third overall pick this year in the draft. Plus, who would you do that to the poor guy? <laughs> plus Brian's pick wherever he finishes. For Zach Wilson, I feel like oh everyone has those. Yeah, everyone has those stories in hindsight, right? Like I think it's, it's easy to do that. Yeah, my um, big one. I think I said multiple times it was with Welch. I think at one point it was uh, Joe Burrow and DeAndre Hopkins. I think at the time for Russell Wilson and Michael Thomas. And Welch said no. He wanted, um, I think, like DK Metcalf and Burrow. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I might draw the line there, but it was close. But I eventually said no. But even if he said yes to the other one, I, I would be in a, I would be in trouble. I'd be in muy trouble. Yeah, your whole franchise, what, franchise would be different. But how do you? I don't know. If you liked Burrow that much, like I have, I Herbert, mean, I, and I, I can't did trade, trade him. him. Like I just, yeah. So that's oh, what I yeah. mean. Like, how do you trade a guy? I guess you have other players you like. So for me, he's the only one. So it's like, I trade with my only hope, my only bright spot. When I see him on red zone, I'm like, yes. Like, oh, finally I care about this play. (laughs) No, I completely get that. That's how it was for Burrow for me for the longest time. But I think like it would, it would have only have been hurts. And I felt bad because I know you offered me essentially the same exact thing. Yeah. I was mega annoyed. Yeah, you were probably real mad at me. But at that time, I was just like, oh, my God, I need to have Hurts because I just let the offseason fester. So I do apologize specifically, but I don't think it would have been to anyone other than him. But, yeah, it, it definitely gets really, really difficult for sure. But, um, yeah, I feel like that wrapped up. Man, how long was this one? This one was long. I don't know because we were talking for a while before and so I lost track of what time it was. My girlfriend oh, cooked and ate dinner in the whole in the whole time. <laughs> And she boiled potatoes, which they don't, they take a while. So yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> That's fine. We don't have the timer. Works. Can we not see the. Um, no, but for on my end, it just says recording. So yeah. I'll know just until after the fact, whereas in the past I just knew cause we're cutting it up cause we only have that 40 yeah. minute limit. So I was able to guess. I think but... we're lucky Darren wasn't here. Oh dude, if Darren was here, this would... oh my gosh, we'd... I would have to miss dinner. <laughs> but. All right, guys, thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, that was that bonus pod. And we have a couple more planned. And uh, I shared something with Greg earlier today um, that I'm we're pretty excited to uh, have an episode on. So stay tuned for that. But other than that, lock in for another fun week. Let's see what happens, guys. Take care. All right. Now that's a wrap for this episode of the PDL podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. See you guys in the next one.